0: Welcome to HSEMA Off the Record, your behind-the-scenes look and listen into the world of emergency management. This podcast is brought to you by Muriel Bowser, Mayor of Washington, D.C., and the District of Columbia Homeland Security and Emergency Management Agency. From preparedness tips to interagency coordination to advice from the men and women responsible for protecting the district, HCMA Off the Record shares it all. Whether you're an EM nerd like us or learning about emergency management for the first time, come along for the ride. Hello and welcome back to HCMA Off the Record. The last time you heard from us, we were in the middle of the holiday season and preparing to usher in a new year. Since then, D.C. government employees helped execute the 59th presidential inauguration and continued much-needed work on the district's COVID-19 response and recovery efforts. Following a year of so much uncertainty, uh, reflection is a must as we continue to adjust to the needs of our community. Like the more than 700,000 residents who call DC home, the employees of the District of Columbia government have had to make so many personal and professional sacrifices due to the pandemic, which first impacted our community in March of 2020. One year ago, Mayor Bowser activated the district's Emergency Operations Center and declared the COVID-19 pandemic a public health emergency. Since then, our teams have worked behind the scenes every day to keep our communities informed, prepared, and safe. In this week's episode, we'll be discussing the impacts COVID-19 has had on the District of Columbia and the work that our teams have accomplished. To help us reflect on the last year, I'm joined by the Director of the D.C. Department of Health, Dr. LaQuandra Nesbitt, and the Assistant City Administrator for Internal Services, Jay Melder. Thank you both for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Good to be here, Chris. The first question I would uh, put to uh, to Assistant City Administrator Melder, uh, following a large scale event or incident, you know, you usually ask someone where they were when it happened. Um, but you have been instrumental in the city's response from day one. Uh, what was going through your head at the beginning of the COVID response? What were you thinking about when the district formally declared the public health emergency?
1: There's been so much that's happened since then. Um, let me scroll back in the memory. I think that, you know, the first task that we really had to respond to um, when it became clear that the pandemic was not going to be um, a casual affair uh, was that we needed to move roughly 60% of our workforce to telework to keep them safe, to reduce um, interactions with others, and to help blunt the the spread in in line with what Dr. Nesbitt and DC health goals were at the time. And we really flipped that switch over the course of a weekend um, in in middle March, um, where we uh, instituted new telework practices, we um, built online systems very quickly, and we gave direction to over 60% of the district's workforce, which totals over 37,000 people. Uh, that they were gonna be working remotely now. And so I think that that was a a, a really quick um, response. It showed, I think, the nimbleness of government. I think we're, we're always kind of thinking about the limitations and constraints of government, but I think especially in the early days and as we've continued on with this um, pandemic response, we've really seen, I think, the ways that government can be nimble and responsive and reflexive. So, the, I was really thinking about how we could bend um, our um, our organization, the organization of government, in a way to, to continue to serve residents, but also meet the health goals for our employees and for the the district as a whole.
0: Thank you, Jay. And and in terms of you know meeting those uh, health goals, Doctor Nesbitt, you you're a physician and an expert in in public health, and you've certainly led us uh, led the district through. An unprecedented pandemic. What has the past year been like for you personally and professionally? Um, What's the most significant adjustment you've had to make?
2: Yeah, so, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Director Rodriguez, in your uh, opening comments or opening salvo, uh, the way that those of us who are responsible for managing the impact on the district's population, the impact of the pandemic on the district's population, uh, our lives have changed too. Uh, And we've had to make the same Uh, personal sacrifices that we ask of other people. And there's a number of different ways that we've had to approach how we do our work. Um, Our agency over here at DC Health has always been very data driven and worked very hard to establish and enhance uh, data infrastructure for both data collection and data analysis over the past several years. Um, But the pace by which Uh, We are doing that type of data collection and and analysis on a daily basis uh, is, um, you know, to overuse the word of the pandemic, unprecedented, right? So I I think that those are some of the major adjustments that we've had in our agency that we've essentially become a 24-7 operation for a host of things. Uh, we are always a 24-7 agency for responses to uh, things that are happening as an emergency in healthcare facilities or any acts of uh, bioterrorism. Always prepared to respond to those things and always operating a 24-7 consultant line. But when you have a pandemic that is impacting hundreds of lives on a daily basis, uh, the need to have multiple aspects of your agency running in sort of a 24-7 aspect. Uh, is, is just a totally different way of doing business. And I, you know, to mix the personal and professional, um, as a leader, I've always tried to encourage my staff to have balance, um, to set boundaries, to take care of themselves uh, first and, and then to take care of others. And it's been challenging uh, to keep that on the forefront of people's minds as they are working every day to take care of an entire city uh, to ensure that we're making the right decisions. Um, in a pandemic that they also need to be reminded of uh, their need to take a step back for a week or two because um, you know running on all cylinders every day for over a year or since uh, January of 20, 2020 uh, is, is not an emotionally healthy space for anyone to be in. And so uh, we need to, just as we're taking care of the physical and emotional and financial health of our residents, we need to make sure that we're doing the same as the, the lead public health agency.
0: Thank you, Dr. Nesbitt. And I, I would ask the same question of, of Jay. Uh, you know, what has the last year been for you, like for you personally and professionally? Um, what's been the most significant adjustment that you've had to make?
1: Well, I think very similar to, to Dr. Nesbitt's statements. Uh, I think professionally, um, it's been um, it's been a profound year professionally. And I think there have been moments that have marked with real pride um, at what uh, the district workforce um, colleagues that we were able to do together to respond uh, to this pandemic. Um, I'm very proud of that. And I think that um, we were asked to, we were demanded to do so much. Um, the mayor was demanded to do so much um, and, and demanded that we meet that challenge with her. And and I think in in, in so many instances, Um, we did and and did the right thing for the district. So I think professionally, again, going back to my earlier comments, I think I was just um, not surprised, but but really proud and amazed at the nimbleness of this government um, and the responsibility that it took um, for making sure we did the right thing and followed health guidelines, um, responded to, the health crisis responded to the resulting economic crisis, um, in really profound ways. And so, I was just really proud to be a part of that, um, and to see the government, government, and and colleagues respond in the way they did. It's it's it really is heroic in many instances, um, and I don't use that word lightly. I think um, personally, you know, it's hard not to. Um, I got a lot of family down in Louisiana, um, old folks down there um, and it was really hard not to um, spend holidays and birthdays with um, uh, my grandparents are who are who getting who are getting older and wanted to keep them safe. Um, I think you know for the first six months of the pandemic, many of us were churning in 14, 16, 18, 20 hour days and I had a lot of neighbors uh, in my building and friends who knew what I was doing and would leave uh, frozen dinners for me, um, at my door, uh, which was pretty, uh, spectacular and people would check in on text messages. Um, but I think it's, you know, I've heard it, uh, been referred to as a lost year. And I think that, um, that, that in many ways, personally, um, that's true for a lot of people who've been responding to this pandemic. It's, uh, it doesn't feel like a year has gone by and in some ways it feels like 10. Um, but, uh, so but personally, this year has been a lot of work.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you talk, uh, both of you talked about the, the personal toll that the pandemic has taken. And, and Dr. Nesbitt, you know, there've been over, as you know um, well, the 500,000 uh, Americans who've died or lost their lives to the virus, um, over a thousand here in the district. How, how has this experience kind of changed or will change uh, the way that, you know, you go about your job in the future? I mean, did you ever imagine that you, you'd be at the center of the, an unprecedented response that has taken the lives of over half a million
2: Americans? Yeah, you know, this is a, um, a very interesting and timely question. And uh, Fire Chief Donnelly and I have uh, talked about this before where Um, we are a jurisdiction that is no stranger to an emergency. We're no stranger to a national special security event. uh, And the degree of collaboration that Jay talked about is just standard practice for us. Uh, It's all special events are approved by a team um, of experts in a number of domains, public safety, emergency management, health, uh, community engagement, all of those things come into play on a regular basis in the district. Uh, And DC Health is no stranger to that. I mean, we did uh, emergency preparedness exercises. We've exercised our pods or points of dispensing uh, sites. We've done all of those things. And at the same time, uh, managing a public health emergency for over a year, uh, there are always going to be things that were difficult to anticipate. And part of the way that we had to respond really had to do with the evolving science of of SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19. You know, when we first began, we thought about transmission in one way. Uh, You're not infectious until you have symptoms and only to find out people can be infectious for two days before uh, they have symptoms. And I think what that really boils down to is a strengthened awareness. Of the need to effectively communicate internally and externally about how much things could potentially change over a period of time and where those changes may occur, uh, you know, telling people what you know as soon as you know it, uh, being honest about what you don't know, uh, and then letting them know when you will inform them of things uh, as the science changes. And uh, what I will say to that is that to on externally facing. Uh, From the public side, it seems as if you're changing your mind about something, uh, but you're really just growing and maturing professionally in terms of the science and the information available uh, to you. Um, Lastly, as a leader, I've really focused on early in the pandemic response, encouraging all of the team members at DC Health uh, to focus on the moment. Uh, They are all part of a response that will have an impact on people's lives for decades uh, to come, and to be able to have moments of self reflection similar to what we're having here, uh, where they are acknowledging the new acquisition of skills, uh, having a greater appreciation for how we do our work in a compassionate and empathetic way. And I think all of those things and having that very intentional discussion with the team early in the response has allowed me to see a number of my team members mature uh, professionally and personally uh, through this endeavor. And it will it will pay significant dividends to them uh, professionally, but also to the people that they serve.
0: Thank you, Dr. Nesbitt. And, um, you know, I, you mentioned uh, our knowledge and how uh, COVID-19 sort of changed, oh, well, uh, how the virus sort of evolved over the course of the year. And, and you know, I think it's fair to say we have far more information about uh, SARS-CoV-2 uh, than we did last year. Uh, we now have a vaccine. We have a vaccination plan. And I'm going to start with you, Dr. Nesbitt, and then go to Jay. Um, in your opinion, what does the rest of 2021 look like in terms of our response? And ultimately, as we move into a recovery phase, um, you know, wh- what does that look
2: like? You know, we often talk about putting uh, SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19 on a timeline. Um, Pandemics don't care that they've been wreaking havoc on you for a year. Um, You know, we know people get fatigued and we want to move on to the next task, the next big issue. uh, But it is no respecter of time at all. Uh, And so as we think about what the potential and the possibilities are, Uh, for 2021 is that if we can really increase the supply of vaccines in the U.S. and subsequently in the district, uh, and we have high demand for vaccine in the district across various uh, subpopulations, whether we're talking about age, whether we're talking about race and ethnicity, whether we're talking about where people live geographically, uh, we have a a great opportunity uh, to provide protection from the virus using vaccines uh, and inducing immunity in people in that way. As we do that, um, there becomes a sweet spot of where our cases are down and low enough uh, for us to be able to relax some of the mitigation measures that we have. Um, the, the unknown is when exactly will that happen, right? We know it's not happening now uh, in March. Um, the degree to which it will happen before May, uh, given the rate of vaccination and the, and the speed or pace of current vaccine supply is, is probably low. Uh, so we're probably looking at some time in the summer where we really begin to relax some of those uh, 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 mitigation strategies or what people refer to as restrictions uh, that make people feel like they're not living the same way pre-COVID and we also have to give consideration to how vaccines become approved for our children Uh, that's still not an option and so so many of those things will play out I would suggest that our our residents need to be prepared to continue to wear wear masks uh, for several months, even if mitigation strategies are reduced, we'll need to do that. I think our residents need to be prepared to be actively engaged in helping their neighbors uh, get vaccinated and and being ambassadors for vaccination in order to get us to the other side of this. And I think that we also are all uh, going to be faced with the challenge of how to deal with the emotional and social uh, impacts of the virus uh, on our friends, our families, and our colleagues in the workplace. And we should be having effective strategies for doing so. Thank you. Anything to add, Jay, on what the rest of 2021 looks like?
1: Well, I think, you know, from from my seat and my responsibilities, we, we really, you know, cascade off of the health guidance and, um, and what's responsible to do. But I think if I'm being optimistic and, and knowing what we've been able to accomplish over the year, um, and if D.C. Do, is able to get the vaccine, I'm, I, I'm, I know that we'll be able to, D.C. Health will be able to push that vaccine out to our residents and to our workforce. So I think, you know, we've got a real opportunity to to, um, to, to think about what the future of work looks like in the District of Columbia, not just for um, government employees, but, um, you know, how has the pandemic and our work culture changed as a result, um, how to respond to that, what, what things we want to snap back um, in place to a year ago, um, to a year and a half ago. Um, and what things do we want to change for the better for good? And I, and I do want to echo, um, Dr. Nesbitt's ending sentiment where, you know, I really hope that in 21, you know, we're able to come together in real ways to celebrate the sacrifices and the accomplishments that we've achieved together as a community. Um, and also to, to, to grieve what has been lost, um, and to come to some understanding about, um, about how that loss happened and why it happened um, in bigger numbers in and, and, and certain places and what we have to do to respond to that differently as well.
0: Thank you for that, uh, Jay. And, and thank you also, Dr. Nesbitt uh, and both of you for helping us share the district's work on COVID-19 with our listeners. And certainly the work we do across district government uh, is based on making our communities stronger, safer, and more prepared. And, and our teams do go to work every day in honor of district residents uh, that have been impacted by COVID-19. And I think what all of your comments suggest is that while we've made great strides against the virus uh, here in the district in the last year, we're not out of the woods yet. People and residents should continue to wear their masks. They should practice social distancing and and do things that make sure that they stay safe. And I remind listeners, uh, for more information on the district's coronavirus response, please visit coronavirus.dc.gov. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode of HCMA Off the Record, and please join us next week as we discuss the topic of mass care. Thank you very much. This podcast is brought to you by Muriel Bowser, Mayor of Washington, D.C., and the District of Columbia Homeland Security and Emergency Management Agency.